You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Mix You podcast. Fellas, we are in double digits. I'm your host, Lee Fields, with my partners in crime, Jeff Sandstrom, Andrew Stone. What's up, fellas? How you doing, guys? Hey there, brother. So, here we are again, episode 10. Episode 10. Did you guys 10. think that we would actually make it to 10? Dude. I didn't think we'd make it through the first one. <laughs> I know. This is crazy. This is awesome. What have you guys been up to? What's going on in T-Town mm. and, and uh, the ATL? Jeff? You got a lot of cool stuff in ATL. I'm, it's going to take me a minute. There's so many cool things. <laughs> so many cool in things in Tulsa. How do you how do you filter through all the Tulsa coolness? Oh, um, it's going to take me a bit. You know, Atlanta's been good. I've I've been home for the last few weeks, which has actually been great. Um, I got a I got to brag on my church for a minute. Um, Stella, our daughter, participated in her first um, middle school winter retreat a couple weekends ago, and she just loved it, was blown away. The guys who managed their team from production to the band to everybody is just awesome. And the the way that they engage these kids is terrific. Um, and then the other big thing around North Point has been uh, the new console install. So Andrew Stark and his volunteers um, and other staff yeah. guys have come around the Digico transformation and it's just, mm. it's killer. They've been reworking all so, their all their templates and workflows and everything, and it's just been great. Is there a cemetery out back in, in the tree line <laughs> where you buried all that other stuff? <laughs> no, Digico actually uh, took a bunch of stuff off their hands. So they're uh, they're integrating it. It's, it's a SD5 at <clears throat> basically both positions and just slowly but surely getting workflows right and making it volunteer-friendly mm. and getting guys trained up. So they're doing... Andrew Stark awesome. is doing such a great job of building that team, and it's it's really cool to be a part of. I love Andrew Stark. He's one of my favorite humans, period. We need, yeah. we need to have him on the podcast just to hang out. It'd be great. We should. We should. You get, You know, we got. We talked about doing like a 1-800 number. People could call in and just hang out with us while we record <laughs> these. <laughs> It'd be good. Dude, I just want to sit and listen to his accent from down under. That's I know. Right. Time. I mean, who cares what he his, says? I just want to listen to him say it. His mannerisms and his tone, the way he carries himself, I can't look at him and not think that there's a five foot five foot pipe hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> he just seems like wise, wise Australian sage, Gandalf, like a, like a tweed jacket with elbow patches, and that's right. Yeah, he's, a he's wise the C- old he's, sage. He's the C.S. Lewis of front of house guys. Yes, <laughs> yes. he's the thinker. It's good. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I know he'll be listening to this, and I know that he will appreciate all of those comments, which is awesome. Yeah. Keep up the good work there, Andrew. How about about T-Town? have to stick together. Uh, T-Town. You know what? Uh, I've actually – I've only done a couple trips since we did our our big trip to uh, uh, Sweden and L.A. and all that stuff. But I've been here a lot the last uh, month or so, and that's actually been really cool. We've – it's been a great time just – for the team here just to be around. And I've actually gotten the opportunity to jump into some of the other campuses and um, help the guys work out some mixed stuff and all that. And for the first time in a long time, it feels like all the campus stuff and the mixes going on in the rooms are really, really on point. And um, it's good. Just sometimes when you can focus a little bit on that team and um, granted, it's a little boring staying in Tulsa all the time, but being able to being able to be here and focus on the team here has been pretty cool. Um, it's been cool because we've we've all got some really busy months coming up in front of us, so it's been yeah. nice to hang out a little bit. I'm actually home the whole month of March, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't go anywhere until uh, midnight Easter. So th- looking yeah. forward to that. So speaking of that, Lee, why don't you tell everybody what's happening? The first week of April. Oh yeah, we're doing all access. Come on! And is it officially sold out now? We had the one guy who got fired. No, there's still one spot left. Okay, there's one spot left because a guy got a guy got fired. We think maybe the the only response was uh, <clears throat> it was obviously somebody was intercepting his email, and uh, it was it was 
courteous yet very clear. That, that budget uh, no expense longer works was no for longer, us. <laughs> no longer approved yes. as a budget expense. No longer expense. works for us, period. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. thank you very much. So, man. So we leaked that on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten a bunch of emails of people that are interested. So it's kind of like an application process. So you can go check out that post on Instagram if you want to find out some more info. But we're going to wrap that up in the next couple days. This podcast should be released on Monday by the time you're hearing it. March mm-hmm. the... 12th. What's today's? March the 12th, Monday should be. So within a day or two after that, it'll probably be full. Um, and then two weeks after that, we have a secret project we're working on that we can't talk about. So we're out of town again for that. And then... Well, um, let me just say about the secret project... You guys are going to lose your minds, and that's all yeah. I'm going to say about it. Yeah, people will yeah. crap themselves. It'll be nice it, for sure. Well, it, maybe not. It's for so them. funny. Like when we when we start this whole thing, it turned into like a legit operation, and like we do these things now, and, and no, I don't think any of us really expected that. And now it's about to pivot again into something completely unique. <laughs> so <laughs> we're saying a lot, and you're probably wondering what's going on, but. Boy, have we cooked up something crazy. Um, Just grab so your depends and hold on. We're we're taking a whole week and a bunch of people getting together in April and basically building a race car. Don't say it. Don't say anything it more. Track and don't say anything not. more. It's, we're build, I said we're building a race car. You know, race car is the same out. forwards and backwards. It's a palindrome. It's my favorite palindrome. Words that are spelled race the car. same backwards and forwards. Race car. My favorite yeah. palindrome. Oh. Yeah. Socrates okay. is back. Come Thanks, on, baby. Socrates. I'm great. excited. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates of the South. <laughs> uh, we're doing that. And then NAB is the week before that. I was going to go to that. Now I can't. Lincoln has some stuff to do in Nashville. So I have to go. I haven't told you guys this. I go to All Access, Nashville. I come home for three days. I go back to Nashville. Yay. <laughs> wow. Yay. Sorry. I know. I know. But then I go to West Palm Beach for something for a day. I'm not sure. So yeah, we're really busy. And then May, um, I have a church conference really big the beginning of the month. Lincoln's record comes out the first week of May. We have a release show the second week of May. And then the third week of May, we're at Mix You Chicago and Philo. Boom. Boom. Man. So that's pretty awesome. And we're really excited about that. We just love what Todd Elliott and the team from Philo do in terms of what they bring to the church and church technical artists. And so... We're just grateful to be there again, and it's it's going to be hosted at Willow Creek this year, which for a lot of you guys who are listening is sort of the uh, mecca that you want to make a pilgrimage to if you're in church production world. So um, if you haven't registered yet, you've got to go register for Philo, and the day before, you need to go ahead and buy your ticket to Mix You, which is going to be on Monday, May 21st. And so we can't wait to see you guys there. We'll be at Willow Creek. And it's just going to be a party. We can't wait. This this really is, we said it the last podcast, this really is the only event we like would endorse for this group. I mean, you don't get any of it. I don't think you get any events that are completely put together for our tribe. Like we've got the mix you, we're focused on audio. And then Philo with Todd and his team, they put this thing together to focus on just, you know, I mean, they're they're full on doing worship services and there are tech guys filling up the entire auditorium clad in black worshiping. Did you guys yeah. know that that could actually happen? I know. And when they lifted all their hands up, uh, most of them did, in fact, have deodorant on. So I was happy yeah, about that. Yeah, it didn't smell terrible. It was actually pretty cool. No, it's crazy. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those events, though, that uh, we are 100% behind. So it's pretty awesome that we that are. More than 100%. It, this is the only one I would pay my own money to go to. Yeah. yeah. It's the only one I, I even want to attend. Out. Yeah. Right. And, and here's the thing for those of you listening that <clears throat> like think that you couldn't get budget approved to go fly to Chicago. Let's say you live in the Northwest or the Southeast or the Northeast or the Southwest, like really far away. You're not driving. You need to fly. And you haven't even asked your pastor to go or your executive pastor or whoever your boss is. You need to do it. And here's why. Because it's at Willow Creek and you tell your senior leaders, I want to go to a church technical slash leadership conference at Willow Creek. You don't even need to say anything else because it's at Willow Creek. You're going to probably get approved just because of the nature of it being there. It's different than some of the trade shows we shall not speak of in 
<laughs> random cities in Vegas and Orlando and Louisville and wherever. Like, who cares? All that. You go tell your team that you want to go to Willow Creek for a church tech conference. They're going to send you and some of your team. So go ask. Go ask. Go ask. Yeah. It's legit. And, and make and sure to come come the day before so you can hang out with us. But right. Right. but honestly, it's a both like, and. To Lee's point, to Lee's point, it's it's on you if you didn't ask. I mean, that's true. It is. Like all you could be told is no. Right. So go ask. Go go check check it out. It's not that big of a deal. The prices are low. Our th- our thing is price low. It's a- again, spend a few days pouring into yourself. Get your team there. Man, what if if that's the only thing you do for yourself in a year, uh, you're doing good. Go so. start a GoFundMe account and send it to your choir. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh, and we're going to do a podcast episode at Philo, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we, we are. are. Live, live recording. So, live recording. So that ought to be pretty cool. Well, that will um, be cool. We'll so be able for to those, take uh, questions and comments. Yeah, so for those of you who are going to be there, go ahead and think now about what your question would be because we're going to take uh, live questions from you and try to give you some wisdom, knowledge, sarcasm, whatever you yeah, I was in focusing the on the sarcasm and the public shaming aspect yeah. of what we could be doing. There. It's coming. Right. Yeah. That's going to be fun. And it's going to be like live audience in a room or in like an open area somewhere, maybe that cafeteria area. I don't know if we've worked all that out yet, but that could be pretty awesome. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Maybe well, we'll even debate each other. What if we set up like a live debate? Like <laughs> you have like me talking about integrators to... A really famous integrator <laughs> that I may not agree with. Like that'd be awesome. Yeah, we'd have to have a, a we'd have to edit that a lot. I think with a lot of bleeps and stuff. Probably it could be great. Maybe. So um, I will say something. I almost forgot. I did go see a show um, a few days ago. What, you and did? I, and at a point, yeah, I went and saw Pink uh, here in town. Nice. What's crazy is that the arena you paid for a ticket? here in Tulsa. I did not pay for a ticket. Okay. That's something I don't do. Um, the arena here in Tulsa is in the top 10 arenas in the nation um, now for many years running for um, like the the artists they bring in. So even though we're sitting here in the middle of nowhere, um, middle of the nation, like everybody who's anybody comes here to this arena and a lot of them do their tour rehearsals here. So like seriously, Rush, Foo Fighters, um, oh, there's some country artist, and I love that I can't remember who it is because I don't think country is viable. But uh, besides that, they all they come here. So Pink showed up, and man, guys, third show on her tour, and it was it was very much on point. Really good. Nice. Listening to someone sing most of the night on a headset, <clears throat> on a look like a DPA. It was very cool. But the one thing I took out of it, um, everything they had on that show, I mean, it was trucks and trucks of stuff. You know, you know, the typical big show, all the gags and all that. Everything yeah. they had and were using was intentional and it had a point. And it was just cool. You know, you're sitting there. It's always nice to watch someone else work, you know, for the night. That's always cool. But they would have this crazy stuff and that would literally come out for a song like yeah wh- whatever it was and and you're like this is this is nuts i wonder how long it took to get that thing working or how much it cost to build that thing but they put it out there and it was intentional and it meant something and it moved their you know their story along you know because some of the songs were kind of had stories going along with them with the video and all that it was cool it was just good watching Somebody do that uh, tastefully with a uh, real and, art in am mind. I, am I sensing an undertone here, Stone? <laughs> I think there's a bit of a uh, implied soapbox at work here. <laughs> I I'm, I'm smell would, something. Would you ever accuse me of that? Of like a double I've entendre? Had, well, we haven't had a soapbox from you in quite a while. And so um, it's interesting that you would bring <sighs> this up. Yeah, this is like... Uh, I think I feel it brewing. Ad lib soapbox approaching here. I think it's time to hit it. I think it's time to hit a soapbox from Stone. Cue the spaghetti western. So here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. 
we go to so many places. We get, we go everywhere. You, you walk into places, you see places, you look around online, you look at the Facebook stuff, you, all that crap. And everybody's just got all this stuff and they're trying to use it and trying to, Ooh, look, I've got all these cool wiggle lights. Did you, did you see what I did? Oh, well, in case you didn't see what I did, I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> hey, did you hear the effect I used? Oh, are you sure you heard it? Because I'm going to do it again on the next song, the next song, the next song. Man, cut the crap. Be intentional about what you got. If you have a bunch of stuff and you're in a big building and you have a big budget and all that stuff, awesome. Figure out how to use that stuff and be intentional with it. And be intentional and tasteful. with it. And tasteful and, I don't know, use some artistry and some self-restraint. You know it's harder to do something with restraint than it is to go blow it up. We're sitting here and we're, so I'm sitting here in Tulsa with these huge auditoriums and all this gear and all this stuff. And we, the harder part of our week is figuring out how to keep it scaled down. But you know, you do it tastefully and the people are still walking in the door. Millennials are still walking in the door. Lee, you guys are the same way. You've got all that you could blow it out every single time you guys turn the building on. But you don't. You do it when you, but when you, you don't do it all the time. When you need to do it, it's got a point and it's got, it's bringing drama to the moment. It's bringing excitement to the moment. It's creating a Jesus moment. It's doing whatever. And man, you watch people all over the place do it tastefully and do it right and go, it's obvious, guys. It's obvious. Quit sucking and use stuff the way it was designed to be used. Love it. I love that I've got some amazing element that we invested in. And it may not be used for months at a time. You guys yeah. have stuff like that? It may not even oh, sure. be used. Who cares? Because when you use it, it was the thing that took you from good to great. It was the thing. It was perfect. It was right but it used restraint to pull it off. So watching somebody else do their there's do a, a really great show the other night kind of there's there's a lot of things that you just said that we we should talk about. So for an audio guy, it's sometimes you can hide this stuff, right? Because like with lighting and video, it's a lot easier to ridicule because you see a lot of churches they just turn mm -hmm. every light they have on for mm -hmm. every song or the video screens are on every time and there's crappy 2005 jump backs on all the time, right? <laughs> so for the audio guy though, when I see pictures of the, you know, the silhouette of the guy on the console and his waves rack to the right and it's the screen where you can see every channel and all the plugins and at the very top, the first <laughs> channel in multi-rack is a kick drum and there's more than five plugins on the kick drum oh in multi-rack. I'm like, what? What are you? What are you doing? What's like, happening? Yeah, but there's eight it's slots a, there. You've got eight I slots. Know, you, you should fill them all. The single easiest instrument <laughs> to make sound good gets all the crap put on it because you bought it all. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, sorry. Right. I'm I'm stealing your soapbox, aren't I? No, you're I just adding can't to help it. it. You're just building it to be taller soapbox. The point is, you know, whether it's Pink or Taylor Swift or Justin Timberlake or whoever, you know. They've, they've gone to the trouble and the expense and the crew and the trucking and all the stuff to make these gags impactful for a moment. And they're trying to tell a story and trying to take people on a journey. We're trying to do the same thing in church. So how, can we, how can we exercise some of those same principles to go, okay, how can we make this most effective? Not that we can make it biggest, brightest, loudest, fastest, but how can we make it significant? Yeah, because what's happening is especially with millennials, right? Their opinions are the loudest on what I'm about to say. They equate inauthenticity. Is that a word? Inauthenticity? Sure. It is now. It is now. That's you have George the mic. Talking. Um, they equate that and churches having too much technology. So if you have too much gear on stage, they go, oh, it's not authentic. It's performance-based. It's a show. When, if you just take the talent, the guy standing behind the console and the behind the lighting board and the producers and the creative directors, and if they're better at their jobs, they could take the same amount of gear or more, maybe even double the amount of gear, and it's become a authentic or real or not performance-based experience just based on how the gear is used. And right. audio is the same way. It's like how your mixing can come off feeling showy like how we mix can actually come off that way yeah but then it can also 
you can go the other direction. And if you're just not that good, church then becomes a less than experience for people. So you right. go to Pink and you hear a great performance, audio, or you go to church and you hear a less than performance on just as expensive gear sometimes, which is crazy. No, that that's exactly it. And we all are trying to strive to make what we have here at church. I, I, I mean, I think secretly a lot of us in the tech community are we're using the same gear. I mean, I'm most tours I go show, I go see, right. I have much nicer stuff than they do. Yep. So there should be no excuse for me to have the same kind of palette here. Right. It's not an arena. It's a smaller than an arena, but the gear is still translates, but I have the same exact palette. I can make an acoustic set feel very tight and authentic and small and like make you forget the size of the room. Or I can take a huge blowout song and make it feel like the roof lifted off the place. Or I can take a yeah. gospel choir added to the mix uh, and make you feel like you're all warm and buttery and this is like the best place you'd ever want to be. Why shouldn't I be able to use that technology to do that? That's exactly what I should be doing. But there's no – I think sometimes we get in that, that realm where it's an excuse. We've heard yeah. it all, right? I mean, even the way we do live events – well, the only way you're getting that sound is because you've got that kind of console or because Jeff has all those waves things available to him. And you're just like, really? Or is it just the way you're using it? Is, so the, guy yeah, behind, is to, the guy operating it or is it the gear or, is, I mean, all those different things. I seem to recall our event in January where we used a Yamaha TF and an X32. That and those to mixes well. sounded pretty good. Yeah. I, I haven't seen very many negative comments about our events online which i think's good or maybe people are just too scared to <laughs> tell us what they really think but the only negative comments have been i wish i'd see just as many photos of those guys standing behind cheap consoles or what happens when they use an x32 so we did it we took that and went okay easy we'll mix on an x32 and a three thousand dollar tf and got nearly the same results. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say it was the exact same, but I would right. think to the normal churchgoer, they're not really going to tell that big a difference, to be honest. Right. It's more, it, it really changed the conversation to the gear we're choosing is really based on our needs, not on our preferences. So yeah. if your need, your legit needs are, I got 95 inputs. That's a different story. Obviously you can't use a $3,000 console, and, but it gets the conversation out of, well, in order for it to sound good, I need this console, which may or may not be true sometimes, That's especially good. now with as good as technology is getting. And I'm sorry if that steps on the toes of the guys who have been telling their pastors that it's the gear and that's why it doesn't sound good. Sorry. So yeah. the truth's out of the bag. It I may saw, not be your gear, my friend. I saw a post uh, of a guy at a church in Phoenix. He said... What if a part of your AVL integrator interview was having them mix? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. But Holy horrible. crap. So some guys commented, no, because if they came in and made it sound amazing, then I wouldn't be able to buy the gear I'm asking for. And I thought, you piece of crap. You mean to tell me <laughs> that you don't want somebody to come in there that has skill because they'll reveal that you, you suck at your job so you can go waste right. your church's money to buy new gear to make yourself feel better? You should be freaking fired. Right. I think we have multiple soapboxes. I think we dropped the <laughs> mic right there. Yeah. Done. Sorry. All right. Well, let's move on. Okay. So, um, how do we move on? From how that? do we move on from that? Yeah. So Lee, you had, uh, you had a conference last week that yeah. seemed to have gone really well. Why don't you tell us about your experience with, uh, your little demo at your conference? Yeah, so we did a uh, conference. Hold it. And just, I just want to say it on the record. Like, you just called yeah. it his little demo. Like, that's like when my mom would say, Are you and your little friends going to go no, play I out back? I didn't, right. mean ins I didn't mean insignificant. <laughs> I meant you just demoed one small thing. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, we do a conference every year in May, it outgrew itself. So, we've been doing another one in Southern California. That was last week. We rent a bunch of gear for it. The church's audio system there is not really that great. So we bring a bunch of gear down. 
Well, after the Super Bowl, which we'll get to in a second, separate topic, um, everybody mm. started wondering what microphone Justin Timberlake was using. Did you guys see this online? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was the SE capsule on a Sure Stick. Mm-hmm. I think it's called an, a V7, I think it's the model. Yep. And it cost $100. That's it. Wow. And I got a couple of them to try out. And it's freaking awesome. It's like, it's hard to describe. To me, it's like a 58, but brighter. But not okay. as bright as like KSM9 or Neumann. Like it's not a condenser. <laughs> it's a, I think it's a super cardioid dynamic mic. But it sounds almost like a condenser. It's got this really nice high end to it. And it's fantastic. So it's like right in between like a 58 and a KSM9 or, yeah. So it's really cool. So... Um, it's awesome and they're 99 bucks. So we bought a bunch of them hmm. and we have something pretty cool to tell you guys about. Heck yeah. Stone, you want to tell them? Yeah. So in, in light of that, we're going to, we're going to throw out, make sure people are aware of our buddies at, uh, Mike If you've been to one of our live events, you might've met, uh, Mr. Mike Reynolds himself, <laughs> who uh, might also be known as Stephen Aruda, but uh, his company, MikeReynolds.com, um, they specialize in getting this kind of stuff that was specifically to us, but to you guys, wireless and in-ear monitors and capsules and crazy mics and whatever. So especially when you're sitting here in front of Easter and all kinds of stuff this year, you might check it out. So um, the way this has been working for a lot of this is, we want to try mics. We call our guys at MikeReynolds.com and they ship us some capsules and stuff for us to try and to see what we like. So wanting to make sure you guys have the opportunity to do that too. So um, if you log on to MikeReynolds.com <clears throat> and you can use the uh, code MXURocks, M-X-U-R-O-C-K-S, MXURocks, all one word, that will give you an extra day on a multi-day rental. So plenty of time for you to grab a, a mic, a capsule, a whatever, a wireless, and do some rehearsal and a weekend. So That's great. Yeah, so like that SE capsule, I think he rents it for 22 bucks for three days. So if you use that code, you get an extra day for free or anything. So last year, I rented the bucket of capsules. So it's, it's basically a Pelican with like five or six different capsules in it you can try. Same thing. Pretty awesome. All the... The stuff we've heard us talk about on the podcast before, the Mojave stuff, all that, that was all the way I got that stuff fast was through the guys at Mike Reynolds. And they hooked us up. And uh, the crazy thing is a lot of people rent this stuff and they never turn it back in because they listen to it and they're like, holy cow. And it's a great way to, I mean, how many, seriously, in the church market, how many times we get the opportunity to demo this stuff and see if we like it before we want to invest in it? That's right awesome. for twenty two dollars for like twenty two bucks. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna spend that in your own church's cafe next weekend. So you should really check them out. They're uh, they're good. Uh, we we have a great relationship with them. So anyway, MikeReynolds.com uh, code for this uh, for this deal is uh, just MXU rocks. So we become might. an SE believer with uh, with Lee. Okay, guys, I think it's time for a segment that we've all come to really know and love called Turn Down for Mix You. It's where you guys send us your written uh, sound complaints from your older, maybe less rock and roll members of your of your congregations. And uh, we love just sort of telling everybody about the complaints that we've all gotten. So, Stone, what you got this time? Man, these they never they never end. They just keep coming in. So uh, let's let's. Let's go ahead and hit this cool one. This came from, uh, man, we've got we've got three dudes who help us do stuff. Uh, you might have heard us talk about it a while back that are uh, we made a call for some interns, and we we call them rock turns because these guys are kind of studs in their own. I mean, they're full on TDs doing their thing. These are not dudes, you know, getting coffee and stuff. But this came from one of them, and uh, dude, what's Jeff set this up because you did this okay, really so, well. Yeah, this my is favorite on part a, about this is this, on a prayer request yeah, card. It's on a prayer request card, but the it's like a next steps <clears throat> card, right? So in their church, they've got several ways that you can take a next step. So the first one is you check a box if you want to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. <laughs> check another box if you're interested in memorizing <laughs> some scripture. Check a third box if you want to make Jesus your number one. 
And then the fourth box is if you're interested in learning about how to grieve God's way. So it's for people who are going through times of grief or whatever. And then at the bottom, there's a prayer request section. And the prayer request is, stop the bass drum. My insides shake, can't handle it, and it hurts my heart. My heart. <laughs> That's I'm what just, my wife says to me when I upset her. This I'm just saying. Yeah, stop, stop the bass drum. My insides shake. Uh, okay, so that was that's the winner for this round. But here's here's a couple more just for fun's sake. So we got another one, um, and this is again uh, for comments and prayer requests. So the church is you know opening Pandora's box to just give comments. So this one says someone's written in very nicely. Um, there are infants and children being exposed to sound levels that are damaging their hearing. Child abuse? <laughs> wow. Wow. You went there. Uh, yes, we would like to abuse your children at our church. That's our intention. We're glad that you caught on to that, ma'am. And I think we have Perfect. a third one. So what's our top three for this week? Yeah, so the third one, this is pretty cool. So this one uh, I'll read, and I'll, I'm going to try to get the inflection right. This is from a, a church in uh, San Antonio, so I'm going to get this right. Um, church about the size of 500. Um, and this is from the worship pastor, so the guy on stage leading worship. Uh, an older guy met me in the bathroom one Sunday morning, and he said, the music is just too damn loud. He said it's so harsh, I thought he was just joking, so I let out a little chuckle. <laughs> I soon discovered that that was not the correct response when he fired right back at me and he said, you think I'm kidding, boy? I'm going to cut them speakers up and cut up them guitar strings. He got a little pretty mouth, ain't he? That's the truth. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> then he, he ends it, he goes, strangely enough, this gentleman just passed away a couple months ago. And guess who they asked to lead all the music for his funeral? Yeah, no. yours truly. Unbelievable. I think what? that I think that one's the winner. Dude, I want to just go visit that church. Right? That's crazy. That's like anyway, all time right there. I'm telling you. So, man, keep those coming in. These are great guys. We know we all have them too. So send them in if you get them. That's cool. All right, guys. It's time for this episode's interview. Uh, fellas, I'm not sure that we've had someone with this kind of resume before, both the genre that he's in and just the gravity of the things that's been on the other side of his faders. It's crazy. Pat Botzel is responsible for, get this, 19 Super Bowls. Just that alone is like something. But, and then check the rest of this out. The Oscars, the Grammys, the Emmys. The Kennedy Center Auditors, the AMAs, the Billboard Music Awards, the Country Music Awards. It goes on and on and on. We had so much fun with this interview. Let's talk about a super nice guy, like one of the nicest guys we've had on here. Great stories, great insights coming at you. And guys, if you, I just noticed this. 19 Super Bowls, Oscars, and Grammys. Talk about a January and February my gosh yeah that awards is awards season like uh, crazy yeah so he was at the oscars last week he's a front of house engineer for the oscars lots of great insight and obviously we're going to talk about the super bowl what brought all of this on was all the feedback that we saw online about this year's super bowl the mix to television everyone had opinions on it and everyone knew exactly what the issues were well people you're going to hear it straight from the horse's mouth enjoy programming note you're about to hear pat talk about mixing audio for some of the world's most important broadcast events in the conversation he definitely talks about redundancy and always having a backup well we also have a backup and it sure is a good thing because we had a catastrophic audio failure with the good microphones and were able to capture the internet recording from the video chat enjoy the not so great audio quality but really enjoy the fantastic interview with pat Mix You Interview, Pat Bortzel, Part 1. Pat has been to more Super Bowls than Tom Brady, Terry Bradshaw, and Joe Montana combined. Oh, sorry tech guys. Those are sports people. Let's play ball. Man, so glad we're here with Pat 
with us uh, for, our, for this podcast. Can't believe we tracked you down uh, amidst the snow and ice and the suffering that you're in the middle of <laughs> up there in the mountains or even skiing. Man, thanks so much for taking time to, uh, to talk with us about some of your experiences and stuff. This is, uh, you're, you're the man with quite the resume, we must say, of a very unique set of skills that I think everyone listening has probably been um, privy to some of the events you've been a part of. So, um, man, I tell you, you're, the three of us were talking, we were talking about having you as a guest, and it was right around the time the Super Bowl was happening, this most recent Super Bowl. Sure. And um, it's crazy. These other guys probably have a, a bit more stats, but uh, since they're Facebook junkies, but it's crazy the amount of stuff going on in the out there in the world of communication and comments and stuff from from the tech world when watching the Super Bowl. Like yes, and and I, I mean this pun, but everyone's an armchair quarterback when it comes to that day, you know. And that's, so that's right. I, we started doing a little research and on you, and I was like, man, this guy, he's been you know. 19 Super Bowls, you've, you've done the sound design and the, and the mix in the room and all the different stuff that comes with that. And I was like, this would be great for us to get a little bit of real info from you and your vast experience on just what it takes to do this stuff. That's kind of where this kicked off. And then, then the more I delved in was like Oscars, Grammys, Emmys, Kennedy Center Honors, American Music Awards. I could just keep going on and on and on this stuff that I've literally grown up with, we all three have literally grown up with watching and listening to and being a part of. So anyway, Pat, thanks a ton for uh, spending a little bit of time with us today. My this, pleasure. This ought to be really, really cool. Um, so let's jump in, man. The Super Bowl, this most recent Super Bowl. Um, from your, from your uh, point of view, how did it go? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was beautifully shot. Uh, Hamish Hamilton is um, been the director for, I guess, about eight or nine years. He's a British director, uh, but he does a beautiful job. He's very painstaking in the way he storyboards every camera shot. So once again, I thought the uh, Justin Timberlake halftime show, it was beautiful the way he shot it. Now the audio, I mean, I, I know they all online, there was there's a million uh, people um, with their own opinion of, um, was Justin's voice uh, at the prop um, position in the mix, or was it too low? Was it buried? Was it muffled? Uh, on and on. I mean, these things are complicated because um, you know it's it's a track-based performance, so there are live vocals and there are pre-recorded vocals because Justin's music is complicated. He does it in layers. I've worked with him many times, and so he has his own voice doing counterpoint melodies. So when the average person's listening at home, they think, what did I just hear? Was that supposed to be the melody? Mm. That didn't seem loud enough because he's got this very um, complex texture of vocals. And most of the time it's his own vocal uh, overlaid you know, multiple times. So A, there's that complexity. So which line were you listening to at the time and which one was he singing live and which ones were part of the, you know, the, the stems, the pre-recorded right. stuff. Um, so anyway, that's uh, the second problem is uh, all of these artists, these A-list artists come with their own team of engineers. They always bring a monitor engineer and they bring a front of house engineer. Sometimes they bring a recording engineer. Each of the three mixed positions, we have a shadow from the artist. And in the broadcast truck, the final say about where the vocal sits in the mix is up to the recording engineer that Justin brings. Wow. So, yeah, so oftentimes in pop music and hip-hop music in particular, they like the vocal to sit down in the fabric of mm. the instruments, not to sit out front. Uh, now, the argument I've made for my 19 Super Bowls when the artist's representative would say, duck the vocal, too much lead vocal, duck it down. And, and I say, let's keep in mind, this audience, these 75,000 folks in the stadium, they're not necessarily Madonna fans or Lady Gaga fans or Justin Timberlake fans. They're rich Eagles fans 
and Patriot <laughs> fans. They're not really here to see Justin Timberlake, and they might not know every lyric. So let's help them out by sitting the lead vocal a little higher in the mix. But, you know, their, their experience is every tour stop, everybody coming to a Justin uh, concert, they already know the lyric. As soon as you hear a measure of the music, they don't have to hear any lead vocal, and they still know what the song is. But so anyway, that's one of the things that makes it more complex is in a way our hands are tied because there are representatives from the artists that are kind of pushing uh, those decisions. That's so interesting because so many times those fans know every lyric to every song because the vocal isn't buried on the record. You know, the vocal, the vocal is crystal clear on the album, that's and that's correct. how they learn the song in the first place. So it's almost like a counterintuitive argument at that point. It's, it's interesting. But I've had this argument over and over, and, over, and not necessarily at the football games for the Super Bowl, at the Billboard Music Awards, uh, it's the same thing. They want the hip-hop and rap artists, they want it tucked way down in there. And I say, not everybody in this arena knows every lyric. Why don't we help them out a little bit? But... Sometimes I win the argument, sometimes I don't. That's so that, what's interesting about that is uh, so a lot of our listeners are, um, I mean, they mix in churches, small churches, mm-hmm. big churches, huge churches, uh, religious events and arenas, whatever. Um, Jeff, would you say that's something we've all had to contend with well, on sure. a much different and, scale? But yeah. actually for me, a lot of times it's the opposite argument from the producer or the you know, artist representation or whoever saying more vocal, more vocal, more vocal, because mm-hmm. in our, in the our message. context, yeah, the, the, the lead vocal is by far the most important thing to most of those guys. So it's, it's an interesting, um, you know, almost opposite challenge sometimes of, yeah, but I really want to hear the guitar. No, we yeah. got to hear the vocal, you know? So it's a, it's, it's almost the other side of the coin. Yeah, no, it's a tricky balance. And I get what you're saying in uh, religious um, performance the message is the lead vocal. So if there's yeah. any uh, confusion there, you've, you've not done your job. It's not quite country so, radio, but, you know, similar. <laughs> <laughs> but you so know what? That's funny because I, I do the Country Music Awards for 30 years. I still do that project. And that, I never get an argument about ducking the vocal because, in a sense, they're telling a story uh, in a lot of times with country music. Uh, especially the the more traditional country mm-hmm. artists, that is the same thing. There's a, a story there, and if you can't hear it in a bouncy arena, you got to you know lean on that vocal a little bit to get that message. That's interesting. So, can you talk That's for a minute, cool. just from a technical standpoint, about because a lot of a lot of our listeners and a lot of the arguments or comments that I saw online had to do with more about what happens to the mix after it leaves your hands. And so yes. talk for a minute about the transmission process in terms of, okay, when it leaves your truck, how many variables are there between from there to my cable box, to my TV, to my speakers, to, you know, all those mm-hmm. things are at play that you don't That's have correct. control of. Correct. And when these things do come up where there's transmission issues, we've had them on the Oscars, uh, Grammys, all of these shows where there'll be a certain market, um, the, uh, the Northwest, um, that the distribution there from direct TV subscribers, the vocal was buried, the center channel was lost, or the, the vocal ended up in the uh, left, right, not in the center. So when we send a signal up, a 5-1 signal, uh, there are so many stages that it gets handled or manhandled by uh, your cable service uh, on air. There's still probably some people that uh, watch uh, off-air um, signal. Uh, all of the, the satellite providers, DirecTV and DISH, each one of them get a signal from us, and then it goes through consoles. There are maintenance engineers who direct the signal to... Uh, their distribution, whether it's satellites or it's cable distribution points. So there, there are a half a dozen places that a 5-1 signal has to be kept as pure as possible. And when there's a guy, I mean, honestly, these guys are, you know, maintenance guys in some of the distribution hubs. They're not like you and I. Uh, they're, they're more like watching meters. 
you know, to see that the boiler's not, uh, the temperature is right. And when they let right. the meters coming in, that's really all they're looking for is, is there signal on all six channels? Okay, well, that's good. Is there distortion? No. Well, then uh, let's go. In the meantime, so, something's been switched or repatched, and it takes them a half a day for subscribers to call in and go, excuse me, there's no center channel. Yeah. Let's wow. check that out. So, so as a as a technical artist, um, I mean, when you're, I mean, you indicated it's six months of buildup, you know, for an event of this magnitude. I mean, that's a lot of work, a lot of labor, a lot of stuff, time goes into that. So when you're, when you know this and you know what's beyond your control, mm-hmm. how do you, where, where do you kind of quantify that in your head of like, okay, what's, what's your goal going to be then? Cause you obviously can't go fix, you know, Comcast, you know, showing up in some guy's living room. So how do you, does that boil down a little bit to what your common denominator is going to be when you're putting this together to actually put together the product? Well, yes. Uh, Most of the broadcast mixers go very light on crazy panning of things because the chances, and and there's been many of this, the chances of getting um, a a 5-1 signal handled perfectly, you know, within a dB, from transmission from us uploading it to coming into your living room is minimal. So what we do, we always make a recording in the broadcast truck of exactly that 5-1 signal that was sent to the uplink truck. So when all the you-know-what hits the fan and everybody goes, in the Southwest, you know, it was awful. There was distortion on the center channel, blah, blah. We can say, here's what was delivered to whoever that provider is, you know, DirecTV or, or Spectrum Cable, whoever it is. There's just too many hands in the way uh, that get, get involved in this. And that's why we make a, a QC recording. So when ABC says, what the hell happened, we can show them. In fact, one of them was interesting. It was the Oscars about six years ago. And... Um, in about four markets across the country, there was this crazy, like, distortion oscillation on the center channel. So all the dialogue sounded like it was in feedback the whole time. So we were five minutes into the show, and the executive producer came running into the truck and said, our phones are being lit up, that there's nothing but feedback and of course, he's sitting in the, the audio section of the truck and he's hearing the dialogue and there is no feedback, but he's going, this, these are the notes. Everybody's calling. We've gotten 200 calls that what the hell are you guys doing? Um, it was Billy Crystal, actually. So maybe it was more than six. And it was just all uh, feedback, this oscillation. Wow. Turns out it was being generated to certain markets in New York. And what it was is they were trying to test a new subcarrier signal so that they got credit for people that you know that Nielsen ratings everybody wants to know how many people watched the Oscars this year well Nielsen is like the best that we got the problem is it's not very accurate anymore because people are watching content not on their TV sets they're watching it in their laptops Hmm. so they, they, they decided that they could do a ping signal and embed it in the outgoing audio would give them some response, some feedback for how many millions of viewers were watching the Oscars, not through a Nielsen box, but uh, on alternative um, media like oh laptops. My gosh. Anyway, this they didn't check it well enough, and that's what was causing the feedback. But it took us a month of um, post-mortem uh, investigation to discover that's what it actually was. That is unbelievable. I mean, hearing stories like that, <laughs> the fact that we even get a signal at all is kind of a miracle. <laughs> it is kind of a miracle. I mean, I think really I'm an optimist. Eventually all this will be automated and all of those engineering rooms where they distribute the direct TV signals. I think all of that is going to be automated with a, a metadata signal that comes in. So you don't have a guy actually pushing faders <clears throat> and, you know, going like, oh, my shift ends in two hours. And then I'll tell the other guy we're having a problem with this fader. That's wow. the center channel. I think that'll go away. I hope it does. So tell us, uh, you were, 
you were talking before we started recording, just, I, I was, and I was thinking about all the different artists that have, you know, run through your, you've crossed paths with, <clears throat> excuse me, from, from having to, you know, all these shows for all these years. And uh, you said your favorite Super Bowl performer was? Prince. Hands down. I mean, and what too. a cool, yeah, mine too. In the rain. Um, I mean, what a, what a great performance. Yeah. The, the fact that he performed in the rain, he didn't do all of his own songs. He did other people's songs. He played mm. all of those fabulous guitar solos live in the pouring rain. And um, the beginning of the show, we built with this big lightning storm. This was, you know, the concept was months away that we'd start with a wide shot overlooking the stadium. It's, it was in Miami, outdoors. And we would have this big lightning bolt come out of this big storm and it would hit the stadium. All the smoke would come around the stage and Prince would rise up on an elevator out of the middle of the stage. So we taped that about four days prior to the actual Super Bowl day uh, so that we could, you know, have time to do all the CG to put the clouds and the lightning. Turns out that it was a lightning storm that night. Yeah. <laughs> but we really didn't even need to build this whole seat opening. It was kind of prophetic that that's actually... Um, that's a little eerie, actually. Yes, that's well, what so, we ended up with. So explain how you dealt with... So you've talked about all the people that show up as an entourage with these artists. Well, I think we can all assume that's probably exponentially the case with an artist like Prince. Yes. Um, and trying to explain to them your tried and true theories on how you're going to cover stadiums for this. Uh, so what you have six minutes to set all this up. Correct. Right? From, from, from doing a sport to now it's a, it's a concert vibe. Correct. Six minutes to set it all up. So you obviously have this, you know, and that's been well documented in tons of publications on how that's, it's fascinating. Actually, every year, those are the highlights to read is like how they do the wireless, how they do the distributed audio, all that. But what did it take? Uh, what what did it take to actually convince that entourage that you got this? It's going to yeah. be okay. Well, it was like my seventh Super Bowl when Prince was announced <clears throat> halftime artist in September for the uh, Super Bowl in February. So we have several months to work out details with the artist, uh, concept, creative, and uh, technical issues. So the first res response I got from the uh, Prince camp, not Prince himself, but his audio team, was we've watched the um, videos of the other Super Bowls where you bring all of those little speaker carts out on the wheels. We're not going to do that. That doesn't work for Prince. We've done enough stadium shows in his career that we know big giant speaker towers with 16 line arrays is the way to do the audio. So, of course, in my mind, I know there's no way that we're going to be able to get that on the field. You know, I mean, a tower that size with collapsing legs and then chain motors <laughs> that would bring it up into an erect position and then kick the bottom of the line array out so that it aims correctly. And Anyway, my job as the sound designer was not to tell them you're out of your mind, but to say, okay, let me research this for prints. So I actually went to Tate Towers, who built all these really fancy staging effects for the big touring artists. And I started a dialogue with them. I drew some concepts of a big giant mast with, you know, 16 line array speakers on it, you know, weighing, you know, 3,000 pounds. And then how could we make it collapsing legs to fit through a tunnel? You need to get through an eight-foot tunnel onto the field. What would this way, what would the wheels do to the field, put big dents in the field? Remember, it is a championship football game, first and foremost, <laughs> not a Prince concert. But I can't take that attitude out of the gate. So my job is to gently bring them around to a, a way to do this that's going to work for everybody. Well, the good so thing I is do. you've got less than 15 minutes to pull it off. So it's, you know, easy peasy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I drew all these towers and I drew them, you know, and, and the other problem, of course, was with the towers right up against the stage, which was located right in the middle of the field, how are you going to shoot it? 
with the jib cameras and stuff, you know, you're these big giant towers. We're used to having the stage all wide open, yeah. wide open, so you can shoot all the cast, the screaming fans, the marching bands, whatever it is. So anyway, I drew it all for them and I sent it to them to show them, the Prince team, that I was taking them seriously and I was working on that version of a way to do the halftime show, knowing all along that um, there was very little chance I could pull that off. So in the meantime, then, I did a whole ease plot of this big, the big towers, what the coverage and the sound pressure and all the, you know, the seats all the way in the upper decks. And then I did my 18 speaker carts, and I did a, an ease plot of that. And they wanted um, 102 dB sound pressure level uh, at every seat was the minimum that they would accept. So I had to prove to them that even with the 18 individual little carts, I could still deliver 102 at the very upper seats. And um, so finally they agreed. But I, it, was, it took a lot of uh, effort and time to prove wow. to them that the little carts, but of course the producers and the art department was like, Phew. Thank God. There was those big towers that you sent us. That, that we were, nobody wanted that. Wow. So, so that event, so rain and all that, it obviously, how was their entourage during the, during the, what, the performance is how long? Uh, 14 minutes, 13 to 14 minutes. Is what so how were they after that 13, 14 minutes? Well, they were good. And we put um, Prince's guitar amps underneath the stage. We built a shelf and they were mic'd under there. So he had a wireless transmitter. He played four different guitars and they all had transmitters to amps underneath. So they, we weren't worried that the amps would go out if they got soaking wet. And the um, players who were actually playing the track, you know, the keyboard and drums and all that. Yeah. yeah um, we weren't too worried that they were going to, you know, get so wet that something bad would happen. Right. That's amazing. That's, a, that's incredible. So you think about some of the stuff um, we go through in our events, Jeff, just thinking about like some of the smaller events we, we put together that are huge to us, but the, sometimes the, sometimes the, <laughs> the hoops we jump through and you're, sometimes you're just like, like just trust us. We got yeah. this. Yeah. I know, but sometimes you're, it's better if you prove to them. Yeah. You take the extra time to show them why it's a really bad idea to put a love <laughs> out in the middle with a band playing or whatever the situation <laughs> they would like to see is instead of saying, trust me. I know what you're saying, but sometimes it's actually uh, better for a producer to see why it's a bad idea. Yeah, that's right. good. That's good. Well, I think part of it is just having the having the credibility in the first place to, to have a reason to build trust from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so you've got, obviously you've got a resume and you've got a, you know, a long list of artists and events and things. So for our, for our typical listener, you know, sometimes they are faced with this sort of um, confrontational mentality. So I think it's mm -hmm. a great lesson. It's a great lesson for those guys to just sort of find a way to find common ground. And it's not, necessarily that you're just relying on your opinion, but you do have facts to back it up. So you had an ease plot that showed equal results theoretically from both solutions. Yes. So the logistics and all the other things that would have been such a con, you were able to turn your, your solution into a pro that outweighed everything. And I think for a lot of our listeners, that's a huge lesson just to go, you know, I'm, I'm not coming to you with just an objection. I'm coming to you with a solution. Yes. That can go miles down the road towards success. Here's another piece of advice that I would give the listeners. Uh, don't be afraid to sometimes step out when a producer asks for something and you're thinking immediately, you know, this, the chances of this working to everybody's satisfaction. Don't be afraid to try some of those things, a hair mic or a headset mic or something where everybody knows a hand mic would be a slam dunk but the producer wants a look or for whatever reason they want to use their hands. And the instinct of course is to say, no, 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 bad idea, bad idea. Trust me. Don't be afraid to try it because on the times that it does work, then you've got the confidence of that producer or that group. The next time it comes up that you are a team player and you don't just automatically say, you know what? 
trust me, just give them all hand mics and then we're going to be much happier. <laughs> it's a really good idea. That's our tendency too, is sometimes we're, uh, we get frustrated and just, just be like, dude, why would you even deviate from using a handheld mic? Yes. Use it. But you know, I went, um, I saw a pink uh, Monday night and hadn't seen her live in a couple of years. So I went down and, and just popped in for a few minutes and her vocal was excellent and it was all on a headset. Yeah. You know, she's flying around doing, yep. doing her acrobatics. acrobatics and all that stuff. Um, and I, the show was great. And it's mix was totally on point. It was all fine, but I was just sitting there going, you know, if someone suggested to do that in one of our, in one of our weekend events, Jeff, Hey, the lead singer wants to do go on a, on a DPA or God forbid a countryman or something like that. I mean, that would be a complete argument. Oh yeah. But I was sitting there going, well, okay, they're doing this show. There is no option. You have to do it. She has yeah. to have her that all in her costume and you know, so it stays out of the rigging and all that. And it was really great. And I was going, that's pretty cool because you don't have the option to go, well, why can't she use the awesome handheld with the perfect capsule and yes, you know, all this stuff that we, you know, would prefer her to use. But it goes a long way in saying that is uh, I, I echo that with what you, you're the sentiment of don't be afraid to try that stuff and to jump out and branch out and see and what it, happens. And if it doesn't work, which sometimes it's usually in my experience, it all has to do with how much output the singer or the person speaking is giving you. Mm-hmm. If they've got a huge voice, then I can make a hair mic work in an arena or a stadium <clears> if <throat> it's got a big, giant voice. So if you don't know that coming in um, and you try it, you know, try the headset mic or the lob mic or the hair mic, and then it doesn't work, I think the producer gives you a lot of credit for showing, and then everybody, it's obvious to everybody that this isn't the result. It's not as loud as it needs to be or everybody's comfortable with. So let's go back to the hand mic or the headset or whatever, mm-hmm. but you've tried it. So now the producer feels like that you're on his side in terms of the visual or the creative end of things, not just, ah, technically it's always better to do it on hand mic, always better at a close mic, blah, blah, blah. That's because great. you're serving, you're at that point, you're serving the collective. Yes. You're being open-handed by how can I actually make the end product the best it can be in some of your cases, like the people sitting in their living room. I mean, yes. that yeah, are- I, was, I was mixing at a corporate event last month where um, for one particular uh, interview section, they didn't want um, the DPA headset mic in the camera shots for the screens. And so they wanted to use lobs and mm-hmm. it was something as simple as during the rehearsal, um, the lob just didn't have quite as much proximity as a headset would. And cool. they, were, they were frustrated with the, with the volume that I was able to get in the PA, but it was because the people around this table were talking to each other in a real hushed tone instead of remembering that they're actually talking to this large mm-hmm. arena full of people. So sure. we were able to say, Hey, would, would just pretend for a second that you're talking to the person in the back row. And just that little yes. extra projection, just like you're talking about, solved the whole thing. And it was just a matter of a little bit of knowledge on my end and a, and a producer in the room who could hear the difference to go, okay, just pretend like you're talking to the back row and we're going to be fine. But some people don't even have the, uh, some, sometimes it's a personality, sometimes it's knowledge, but just to understand something as simple as that as a suggestion. So I think all these things are just really good, good tips. It's, it's, it's great advice. Do you find, Pat, that every time you do these events, I mean, obviously you start seeing the same cast of characters with, you know, crew people that you know and producers and all that, but do you find that you still spend a great deal of time educating people on what can and can't be done, the principles yes. of physics, what, you know, <laughs> how, how big the dents of the, of the towers are going to leave in the field? Do you find that that's never going away? Never going away. It never ceases to amaze me how much producers forget when I explain the whole theory of sync, for instance, how slow sound is compared to video. And uh, (laughs) one of the uh, the director, the ex-director of special events for the NFL, 
Uh, it was two Super Bowls ago. It was the 50th. It was the big mashup with uh, Beyonce and Coldplay and, and Bruno Mars. And they wanted to do IMAG on the screen at this is the Levi Stadium up, up your way, um, Lee. And with the uh, scoreboard, the screen is at either end zone. And uh, so and my sound system is a zero time distributed sound system. And he said, so we need to have it in sync for everywhere, for um, the people in the far end and the people. I said, well, we can't. And he said, well, just spend more money. Tell me how much money it will cost to have the video and the audio in sync. It was about 500 feet away on the other end because their, their PA is built into the um, scoreboard and it blows from one end. So I said, let me just put it to you this way. The time it takes the video image to get from the scoreboard to the person's eyeballs at the far end of the stadium, I mean, the, the audio, the video has gone around the earth two and a half times. <laughs> that in its two speed of the audio and the video. And he was scratching his head. And I said, so there is no trick there's no button or black box I have that's ever going to put the, the two things in sync over here and also 500 feet away. Yes. But they really think that if you throw enough money at it, yes. right. come up with a solution. He said, this is really, really important and you got to solve this. And I said, well, we have to throw out physics if we're going to throw out a budget number because I don't know how to do it. Not even an artist as good as Bruno Mars can sing in the future. So, you know. (laughs) They haven't created that plug-in yet. No, it does not exist. (laughs) Wow, what an amazing conversation with Pat. I I know that you guys took a lot from that, and hopefully you've got some uh, insights of how you can apply his preparation and workflow and Uh, design ideas to your local context because I think we can all learn so much from a guy like him. What a great conversation. Can't wait for part two next time on the podcast. But Andrew, you've got a special announcement that we don't want to miss as we leave today. Yeah, man. We just want to make sure this is something we've been working on for a while. We're going to put some product out there in the marketplace that's got uh, some mixed you branding on it. And we're just starting with a few cool items and it's up now. It's live. You guys can just jump on our website at mxu.rocks and there is a store page and there's a few pretty cool items. Um, if you've been to some of our live events, you've heard one of them in particular is a, a slogan that was given by our own Southern Socrates here that uh, <laughs> you, you can buy a, buy a phone case, you know, with uh, an MXU branded phone case. It's just some cool stuff. We tried to keep the the cost low we thought it'd be fun to put some of this stuff out there so be sure and check that out it's we'll be adding more to it quickly as we go but um check that out at mxu.rocks and as you're as we're signing off just remember if you haven't made plans to to try to get to the chicago area uh the third week in may may 21st we'll be there um, for our next live event and that's uh right in front of the two-day long philo conference at willow creek again ask and you shall receive. You never know if you can make it until you ask. So thanks for being a part of uh, our Mix You podcast. We had a great time. We'll look forward to uh, sharing the next one with you.